Good afternoon. Welcome to Side Dish, a podcast about Longmont, all the stuff you want to know and very little that you need to know. I am Eric Wazempa. And I am Brady Stuttle. <laughs> hey, Brady. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Eric was just struggling with the uh, audio again. Yeah. The audio again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was playing games this weekend with uh, my brother and one of his longtime friends that grew up in the same hometown. He's passing through on his way to to his new job and his greener horizons and all that and um i was, try- was trying to figure out how to do something on my phone and they're like look at the old man trying to use his technology <laughs> and it's just like oh i give you you stick about that all the time uh on here and with my younger brother and his friends i am i'm the old man what's you it take the so old man yeah how old is your brother now uh 31 he just oh, turned okay. 31 wow he, he is young up. yeah 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 so compared to me because i'm <laughs> almost 38 yeah and uh yeah he he just turned 31 so i go and they're like oh you can't you text so slow and you, you can't figure your phone out and like i you don't know so how do you do your do you do double finger texts or do you do because i do a single finger so i'm really old there i usually use the swipey thing so my kids yeah. like crack up because they would like double text with their fingers no nah, i use the, the, the auto text swipe thing yeah Wow, I have it's it pretty set. impressive. Yeah. yeah, it works pretty well. It's a little frustrating because, I mean, it's going to be a humble brag, but I have it set up for three languages to accept three languages because um, I speak French well and do searches in French fairly regularly. And for whatever reason, I thought it would be a good idea to enable Spanish and I never use it. I can speak a little bit of Spanish. I can read more, but I, like, I go and I'll <laughs> punch on you know, these like complicated words or words that use, you know, like when you swipe, you'll swipe in a tiny little area over and over again and it just gets confused and it goes the wrong language and it's like, it's not perfect. So then I can use the two fingers, but I'm so bad. I make so many mistakes that, yeah, um, yeah, I, I can type it like a hundred words a minute. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just can't text to save my life. Yeah. So. It is funny. So my daughter has an Apple watch and so I was talking to her. I said, well, do you like it? And and then we have a gentleman in our office too, who's, you know, 70 and he has an Apple watch and he loves it. And he said, yeah, you can do this text thing where you swipe it and that sort of thing on the watch. And I'm like, I don't think I'd be able to figure that one out. So yeah, we'll see. It works well. I mean, if you know the QWERTY keyboard, you know, yeah. it's, it's the same thing. So you just know where to go. You just have an intuitive sense of how to do that. So it's not yeah. tough. Uh, once in a while, I just omit letters. I, yeah. Like yeah. Mentally, you just like, uh, no, this, oh, it's got a T in it. Oh, this shape should be entirely different. No wonder it came up with, you know, yeah. Moreno instead of Morel or something. You're like, I just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't try to do a good job. So, so yeah. So, no, it's, uh, it's been uh, nice around here. This weekend was hot. But, uh, you know, like I said, my brother's friend came through. So, my brother bought this big board game. It's like this $150 board game that, it's like, it's like, I didn't know this type of board game existed. It was like a single playthrough type thing. It's like a campaign and you, you get a big box and they were touting how much game you get. Cause it's, it's a 22 pound delivery showed up. It's that much stuff. And so you're Holy like, cow. it took a long time to set up. It was really fun. So I played with him. And so is uh, it like a lot of pieces and stuff? Cause I keep that on that stuff. Lots and lots See, of little, cool. little, yeah. little pieces, lots of different dungeons to do, lots of story situations. So they were super jazzed about doing it. I don't usually play that kind of uh, game. Not that I'm above it. I play a lot of nerdy video games. So I'm just sitting at the computer. But this is fun to have an interactive experience. So we did, we did that and hung out. And this, this guy came in from out of town. And I always let people learn to drive stick on my old truck. My ah, truck. I was wondering where that question came from last time. That was about a few weeks ago. You said... Where do you learn to drive a stick and that sort of thing? And I was yeah, just yeah, yeah. Where the heck so that was from? I uh, I took him over to school and I said, "Go ahead, man. Like, let's yeah. figure it out." 
Uh, so that's always fun. It's a fun way to to uh, to kill time with somebody and just let yeah. them beat your car up. And it's like, I don't know, it's at 800 <laughs> I know it's really funny. I want to have people learn how to uh, drive a stick like my son. I really want to teach him, but my, but my, um, stick on my car, my Subaru is just such a pain in the butt. So the clutch just really stinks. It's stiff. And so I don't really think that's the best way to get somebody. Although if you learn than that, you probably can do anything then. Thing is I learned like one of the first motorcycles I bought was this old tub of junk from the seventies. I still have it. And it like, the guy was like, look, this isn't a beginner's bike. You have to know how to ride. This thing yeah. is not like you, you don't just hop on this the way. Cause I had a little Nighthawk at the time. And, um, he's like, you don't just, and it is like this big old clunky. It's heavy. It's a little ungainly. The clutch is goofy, but once you know how to drive that, it's like, yeah, I mean, you can drive whatever. I mean, you learn how to drive my truck. It's like, look, you can barely get it in the first gear. Ah, uh, the clutch is probably on its last legs. It's getting chunky. Yeah, whatever. that's true. Yeah. Yeah, mine's so. kind of on my last legs too, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to teach like somebody on it to have, totally destroy it, but I don't know. Yeah, eh, whatever. I'll Who fix knows? it if it blows up. Do you want to talk about it? We got our guest just Yeah, we got our quick. guest here. Eric Mason just oh, showed sure. up from Longmont Museum. Guest, you, you want to do a couple of actual long No, let's time. let's well, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll do some we'll do we'll shift it around. Okay. So we'll talk about we'll we'll have Eric join us because we don't want to keep him, you know. He doesn't want to be around here for our friendly band. No. Than no. somebody who's correcting us about some of the things we've said. So no. I have somebody who really blasted you about five guys and their French fries. So um, what? We'll, we'll get <laughs> we'll get into that later. So, but anyway, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And can you start by telling us your formal title uh, with the with the Longmont Museum? Sure. Uh, my title is curator of history with the museum. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know if you know Brady Steffel, who's the co-host and of Side Dish. No, no. And, good to meet yeah. you, Brady. Good yeah, you, Brady's a relative newcomer to the, the town or the city. And, you know, I've, I've known you for several years and I've been here for a long time. So I trust you've been with the museum for quite a long time. I could be wrong. but Over, yeah. over 20 years, actually. Oh, that's oh. fantastic. So... So we wanted to talk to you about Longmont's history, and we won't keep you too long. We typically try our interviews, we try to keep to about 15 minutes or so. But if you're so enthralling, Brady will want to keep you longer, and then I'll have, <laughs> I'll have to cut you guys off. But, but really, um, can you give us kind of the lay of the land of the history? I mean, I, I think I know a little bit to be dangerous, and I don't know if Brady does, but can you tell us like how Longmont was founded and, and kind of walk us sure. back a little bit? Sure. So... Longmont, kind of an unusual way that Longmont got started. It was a group of people in Chicago that had this idea to found a new town in the West. And so they gathered together. They actually met in Chicago in a big auditorium in 1870 and sent people out to Colorado by railroad. It had just, the railroad had just gotten finished out to Denver. And they arrived and started looking around for a site and ultimately settled on Longmont, the site where we are now, uh, based on kind of the fact that there weren't that many people here and they liked the irrigation possibilities and so forth. And so they originally called it the Chicago, Colorado Colony. And it was an organization that was kind of aimed around pooling resources. So a lot of communities in those days, somebody would come out, they'd, you know, stick a post in the ground and say, okay, this is going to be the center of town. And 
you want to come here, hey, you're on your own, I'll sell you that piece of land. But uh, the colony people contributed, it was $155, which was about a month's salary for uh, you know skilled laborer at that time. And that then allowed them to buy quite a lot of land around this area and um, dig some smaller irrigation ditches, ship out lumber from Chicago, um, build some of the first buildings in this area. And so people started arriving spring of 1871. And pretty quickly they realized Chicago, Colorado Colony was going to be kind of an awkward name to keep saying. And so they started looking around for, okay, well, what's something prominent that's kind of kind of big and maybe on the horizon? And they're like, oh, that, what's that mountain over there? And they said, oh, that's uh, Long's Peak. And so they said, well, let's call it Long Mont, you know, Mont being French and they wanting to be a little elegant. So, uh, <laughs> um, so that, was, that was how Longmont got its name. And, and basically the community then uh, transitioned to a more traditional town about two years later, 1873. They um, had some swindles involving some of the money for the colony, and so they they became a more more traditional town in a couple of years. But they'd gotten enough of a start that the community really was was set within two years, and and the town then you know was able to to survive and prosper from there. Well, Eric, I heard that. Um that there was no drinking and it was kind of founded on a family kind of belief, like it was a family friendly town and maybe I'm mistaken, but there's a sense of utopia with that. Is Was it kind of founded as a utopian community or maybe I'm just way off base? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, it was based a lot on the people who founded Greeley, Colorado, and that was called the union colony uh, named for Horace Greeley, and they were very much hardcore, no drinking, you know, that's in fact, they were much, they wanted to like have all the land held in common. It was sort of almost communist to start with, which when you think about Greeley now is, is <laughs> I don't know where they went from there. But anyway, um, Longmont, people came out and like, okay, we like this idea of kind of pooling resources. We think that's a good idea. They were really gung-ho for temperance for about two years. And then they're like, okay, how the heck are we going to raise money? Because towns in those days, I mean, there wasn't much tax base. And a lot of towns raised their money by liquor licenses. And so when the colony went away and it became a town, then they're like, okay, we got to have some way to, to raise money. So they actually um, legalized alcohol just two years later. So Greeley wasn't, they were dry for a long, long time. Oh, okay. A long, okay. long kind of went back and forth. And, you know, there'd be, there was a wet contingent and a dry contingent and periodic elections would change and suddenly they'd have to shut down all the bars again. And, and uh, so <laughs> say, it, I, would, <laughs> I, I would say we've drifted somewhat uh, away from the roots then with the current culture existing <laughs> in Longmont and Boulder County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some of the founders would be a little uh, horrified by, you know, the number of brew pubs and, and you know, some of the other things that we sell now, they'd be like, I don't even heard of this stuff. Uh, yeah. So you don't think we're going to have some sort of carry Nation revival with keg smashing and temperance <laughs> abounding? <laughs> it seems unlikely, you know, people <laughs> like their beer a little too much. <laughs> yeah. So was there a, was there a founder or leader of the, the colony kind of at first? And can you describe so who that the, was? And 
the first, and then there were, you know, kind of a committee in Chicago that got things going, but, but the man that that's probably got, deserves the most credit for um, Longmont being where it is and, and, you know, being as prosperous as it became was a man named Seth Terry. And he was one of the three people that the colony sent out to choose the location. And he owned a lumber yard in Chicago, which turned out to be really handy because that was the first thing everybody needed yeah. was, was lumber. <laughs> so he was sending out basically all of his lumber. He basically said, send it all that we can, we can take everything here in Longmont. Um, Terry Street is named for him. Um, oh. And he was the first uh, local president of the, of the colony and really seems to have been a very respected uh, man. You know, there was a number of things that they were trying to figure out, like how to decide who got which lot in the original town. And, and he proposed a system, which unfortunately we don't know exactly what it was, but, but they were impressed enough with, that he knew what he was doing, that they chose his system over several others that people had proposed. So, you know, he seems to have been kind of the founder and, and uh, you know, was very respected in the early colony. Movement. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so what, I know you've done a lot of things related to the museum and trying to tout and talk about Longmont's history. What, what sort of unusual things might we be surprised about with Longmont? Is there one or two unusual things that might be kind of come to mind or maybe just unique kind of things about Longmont's history that are kind of interesting? So, well, one, one interesting piece of trivia might win you a bar bet sometime. Um, only we, can't have one, bars any, we can't have bars anymore. Well, yeah. Bet. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, only one person has ever won gold medals in both summer and winter Olympics. A man named Eddie Egan, and he actually grew up in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, Holy cow, really? Wow. And in Longmont, he kind of learned, started to learn to box and then eventually went to DU and learned more. And, and then in the 1920 Olympics, won a gold medal in boxing. But around that time, he fought an exhibition fight with Jack Dempsey, the mm -hmm. great Colorado boxer. And I think that he was like, okay, I'm going to get killed if I actually go out there and, you know, box professionally. So he decided to do something a little more you know, adversarial, he became a lawyer. Um, <laughs> Sparring in a different way. Yes, right. exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so that meant he was still an amateur for, for um, athletics, which meant that um, in 1932, when the Winter Olympics were in Lake Placid in New York, he was living in New York City, and one of the members of the U.S. bobsled team got hurt, and for some reason they knew, oh, you know, this guy's still in pretty good shape, and they <laughs> called him you up know, and were like, hey, can you, you know, join our bobsled team? Eddie, like, we're down a no experience, but do it this weekend, yeah. What's going yeah, on? That's great. You know what? I always think Go of bobsledding, I think of, like, finding an attorney to help me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, the, he used to box, right? He'd be perfect. Right, right. Everybody exactly. loves sledding. Yeah, loves sledding. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So what do you got going on at the museum too related to history? We were, one of the reasons we had you on was because you have an app, I believe, or some sort of utility yes, yeah. online that people uh -huh. can learn history. And can you go into that and describe how that's going? So, yeah. So we, you know, for the last few years, we've been doing walking tours around Longmont, usually in the spring and fall. Um, and they've always been very popular, but, you know, it's hard. And right now, 
really pretty tough to do in-person walking tours. We're hoping to do them again in the fall, but we decided we wanted to do a walking tour app. So you can uh, go to the museum's website and there's a link to, um, it's basically a mobile website that takes you on a walking tour of downtown. Um, so we, we just launched that this, uh, this spring. There are 15 different sites around downtown available in both Spanish and English. So you can check out, you know, the history of buildings like the Dickens Opera House at Third and Main and find out where the first uh, meat market that uh, was kind of a, a trial run for J.C. Penney before he realized that he was no good at a meat market and <laughs> ended up going into the dry goods business, um, uh, ended up running a store up in Wyoming that was the first J.C. Penney. Yeah, uh, story. We've got to start kind of here. So you know, a number of those stories that that we tell in. Uh, no, that's really um, cool. So what? Um, can you give us a little bit of the history of the Dickens too? Because I think a lot of people just see it as a restaurant and maybe a live events, you know, space or live music space. Can you tell us a little bit more about the history, of like why and how that was created? Yeah. So you know, it's a funny thing now. We're like you know, an opera house. That seems like a very grand thing that mm -hmm. only big cities have, but. But in the 19th century, pretty much a lot of small towns had opera houses, and the Central City Opera House is kind of an example of, of another you know, small town that um, felt like, oh, we need to have some kind of a performance space. And so they kind of called what we would probably call them out an auditorium, they called them opera houses. And it was started by a man named William Dickens, who was one of the wealthiest men in in Longmont, um, just after, so in 1879, there'd been a fire that had destroyed uh, part of downtown Longmont, and uh, the city council passed a law that said, okay, everything in downtown needs to be built out of bricks. So Dickens said, okay, I'll build an opera house at the corner of Third and Main. And for the early years, it really was a pretty significant performance venue. Um, there was a whole circuit of performers from back east that would travel out west and, you know, go to all the different little towns. And, and uh, one of the uh, people who was responsible for the development of ragtime, a man named uh, Blind Boone, was uh, performed here in Longmont, yeah. as did the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And, um, and one of my favorites is Professor D.M. Bristol's Educated Horses. They had a whole troop of horses that performed. And it's like, the opera house is on the second floor. How did they get the horses oh my up God. there? You yeah. know? Oh, and who wow. cleaned up? You know? Yeah, exactly. So how big oh. would the town have been uh, when we were using Educated Horses for entertainment? So it was a couple thousand, you know, two or okay. three thousand people at that point. Um, it's pretty good entertainment. Could have been, for a... You know, pretty good sized town for the 1880s. And, yeah. You know, the I second biggest say... town in the county. <laughs> the idea of educated horses on the second floor of a 3,000 person town in the 1880s just sounds like that's, that would be quite the night out. You know, that would be a heck of an experience. I would probably go see something like that. <laughs> Just well, to figure out the logistics would be awesome. It'd be so yeah, fun. it wouldn't be nearly as appealing as dumb horses or something like that. No, <laughs> it's just a bunch of yeah. uh, second floor petting zoo. Exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't be so good. <laughs> so it's really funny, Eric. I never really made the connection between like opera house and auditorium. I always thought it was like, wow, you know, like we thought we were so lofty, you know, and other towns too, to be fair. 
so lofty that we had to have opera houses. Like we were bringing in like, you know, the, the, the tops of opera. And I just thought that's a strange thing, but really it was more, like you said, more of a kind of regular entertainment, so to speak. It wasn't as lofty as opera. It sounds like. Yeah. In fact, I've yet to confirm that there was ever like a full opera performed in the, okay. opera. you know, there have been <laughs> plays and musicals and so forth, but, but like La Boheme or something, I don't know, maybe somebody will, We'll call in and, and prove me wrong here. But anyway, okay. yeah, I, if there's anything that our about. listeners like to call in about, it's uh, correcting us. That's, yeah. that's true. That is <laughs> true, <laughs> especially especially like operas too. Yeah, so yeah. I can definitely, <laughs> definitely see our listeners being like, ah, 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 them. That would never occur in a Western town. So, um, Eric, I'm going to get you out here a little bit, but uh, unless Brady has another question, but I want to ask you about. You know, when people come here new, they're like, what's what's with all the Roosevelt things? Like, what's with Teddy Roosevelt everywhere? And maybe you can oh, enlighten yeah. people yeah. and give us a story of, like, why Teddy Roosevelt is so kind of iconic with, with Longmont. So, in 1900, Teddy Roosevelt was campaigning for vice president. He's on the ticket with William McKinley. And no one was sure if McKinley was going to get reelected. And in those days, the president did not campaign. It was, it was beneath his dignity to campaign. But the vice president, he could. So, so Roosevelt went on this giant tour of like 400 cities. It was a, what they called a whistle-stop campaign, where they'd pull into town, they'd blow the train whistle, he'd speak from the back of the train, uh, everybody'd cheer or boo, depending on their political persuasion. And... Um, so he actually pulled into Longmont in September of 1900 and gave a speech. And so he is, as far as we know, the only person who would become president who has visited Longmont. Okay. Um, nobody knew that he would be president. You know, they thought, well, vice president, you know, he's kind of a, uh, a sideshow. But he was pretty prominent even then, more prominent than a lot of vice presidential candidates. So uh, when McKinley was assassinated, then, of course, he became and president and and his politics being more populist being more kind of centered around farms and so forth um, really did resonate with Longmont which is a farming community at that point so um, you know they would rename what had been called driving park uh, after him in, in about 1918 or so so Roosevelt Park was called driving park there was actually a horse race track Oh, okay. In uh, in Roosevelt Park, and even what? they used it a little bit for car races as well, which just seems kind of crazy to me that they would be able to race cars in that small space. Is it true they had an ice skating rink back then, or something like that? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There okay. used to be a big grandstand on the south side of the park with a big roof on it, so it shaded a lot of the field. Oh, and in the winter, it got cold enough. In those days, you could actually flood the field, and it would stay you know, frozen for weeks at a time. Huh. Um, so on the reverse side of history, then there's also rumors that Jack Kerouac came through. Yeah. Um, Longmont yep. and yep. any validation to that, or is that just a. It gossip? is actually in on the road at the beginning of chapter five and on the road, he talks about waiting in Longmont, trying to hitch a ride down into Denver, waiting at a gas station, um, till a car that would come by to pick him up. So huh. It is absolutely a true statement. He does not, unfortunately, tell us what gas station it is. You know, he says, oh, there was a tree. I was sitting there. It was a nice day. But 
you know, he doesn't say I was sitting in front of the Johnson's Corner gas station or the, you know, um, Skelly gas station or whatever. So yeah. the, the old Johnson's Corner that's now in Prospect has kind of become in legend the one that he was at. But unfortunately, there's no way. To but and I understand there were two, at least two Johnson's Corners. Um, there were. From some yeah, old timers that have told me that there was yeah. another one like on 17th and Main or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I mean, it would have been pretty far out of town. Both of them were kind of out of town, really, yeah. at that point, 17th, and then down where uh, uh, Ken Pratt is now, Longmont. was a pretty small town, didn't stretch to either end of those. But yeah. um, 287 was, was the main highway, so you know, there were gas stations all along. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. So, um, Anything you want our listeners to know about either history, the museum, happenings going on, yourself? Um, Let's see. Well, one, one exciting thing... Um, I am working on a book on the history of Longmont. Oh, wow. Out in time for Christmas. Uh, it's called Longmont, the first 150 years, because in 2021 will be Longmont's 150th anniversary. Cool. So, oh, that's uh, awesome. Starting to plan some uh, events and an exhibit at the museum that will celebrate 150 years of Longmont. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll be having more events around that as that gets closer. But, and again, uh, your, your, your audio kind of cut out a little bit there. So it's a Longmont 100. What was it again? What was the title of the it's book? It's Longmont, the first 150 years. Is the oh, that's fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing that, Eric. And you have uh, you are just an amazing resource for, for us in the town. And we're just really grateful for your service and for helping really uncover a lot of our kind of hidden history. So um, great, great. we really, really appreciate having you on. And yeah, I'd love to have you come back and just tell us, pick a family and tell us their, you know, like, here's why Kimbark's called Kimbark. And here's why oh, yeah. Kaufman. Yeah. And here's, here's yeah. all of this over here. And I, I think that'd be really interesting for me. So yeah, yeah. I'd be delighted to do that. Love okay. it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a great right. overview. And then uh, we look forward to having you on and good luck with the book. So you, hopefully you don't uh-huh. have a, you're ahead of the game and you're not being, chastised by an editor because you're behind so yeah i'm, I'm doing okay so okay <laughs> <laughs> thanks eric have a great day all right thanks, Thank you, all right. thanks a lot hey well that was awesome to have yeah. eric on here and i think it's it's true i mean it would be really nice to have him kind of come back and tell us a little bit more about some of the streets and other things i mean i didn't know i had no idea terry street was named after seth terry so that was interesting I, yeah i mean there's a lot of names there's pratt comes up all the time there's Hover and Kimbart and Kaufman and just a lot of names, family names. And you'd think that there's yeah. probably stories behind a lot of those people yeah. and Vance Brand and um, the JC Penny. Yeah. And you've kind of, you hear a lot. And I'm, I'm laughing because your, your video, because we're doing video too, to our listeners, your video looks like you're kind of like in some really cool, surreal kind of bizarre um, animation segment and your audio is cutting out a little bit so but uh, uh yeah my zoom is having a small series of strokes here can you still hear me yeah you're fine you're okay <laughs> my audio my video stopped working <laughs> i got a spinning wheel so we just take care of those um yeah but yeah so so i guess cool. somebody's making fun of my opinion on french fries what's the deal no here? it's not the opinion on french fries so actually i want to be fair to that person too as well so real quickly i wanted we had a couple of comments here so barb um got a hold of the show and she's mm-hmm. a long time listener so we're really grateful for that she actually did want to fill us in a little bit about brooklyn deli you mm-hmm. know as we suspected you know the quarantine was kind of the last straw and she did 
confirm that, that he said that the owner had been, she had said that the owner said that the business had been dropping off for a while and the quarantine was the last straw. So, yep. um, but uh, she is a proud owner of a side dish sticker now. If you want to get your side dish sticker, you certainly can email us at info at longmont.org and you can snag one of those. We'll even send it to you for free. Well, so while you're at it, you know, go smash the like button. Uh, we'll set yeah. up a GoFundMe. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So um, we did hear from a, a gentleman named Joe who says that he loves the banter. Very, yep. enter- very entertaining. And, uh, it's awesome that we're talking about the town and that's one of the best places to live in the lower 48 is what he says. And now there's a, but so, but, but, <laughs> and he says, you know, sometimes we leave out some of the details and yeah, I no. think fair point. He said, you know, when speaking of the lane closures on main street, you seem to focus on the look and the impact on traffic. At no point did you speak of the possible pos- positive impact it might have on downtown mm. businesses mm. or the possible negative impact on businesses. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, that's fair I point. think that's fair. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, sometimes we just don't get into the details and we like our friendly banter. And so, but that being said, I think we could probably <clears> do a little bit better job in, in kind of mentioning the details is the sense that it's planned to continue through September, but it may be cut short if they do not see positive results. So mm-hmm. I was reading recently <clears> that they're <throat> going to talk about it, I believe, at the Downtown Development Authority um, board meeting this coming Wednesday. And so they're going to talk on both sides of that. And, you know, it really is, uh, you know, it's not a hundred percent positive, um, thing that they're doing. It's a, you know, some people have maybe negative feelings or maybe mm-hmm. they're a little concerned with it, but, um, I do, you know, I, I fully support it. I think we were just commenting on the fact that the cement, uh, structures oh, yeah. were just a little less than appealing and they're, you know, they're fixing that. So they're going to change it, but it really is pretty cool how they're actually building out those, those spaces for people to dine in. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I did just see an article in the Times call saying that um, businesses have seen uh, some some upside to it. So I, yeah. I think what would actually be interesting to do is to get somebody in a couple of weeks to have uh, a restaurant owner, if we can find somebody who would yeah. want to talk about yeah. Yeah. the positive impacts it's been having. Because as I was reading the other side of it on Reddit, they're like, well, there are people on there who are very angry and there are people who are very supportive. Um, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a split bag. So I think to know more, we'd actually have to talk to somebody who's, who's selling. I think more. one of the things is, is that I think for, I think we would both agree that anything you can try yeah. to see if you can preserve businesses, we're all for, I mean, we are not anti that. I think the thing that's probably a concern for some people is the parking and the, the ability to park in front of certain non restauranty or non retail. Kelsey said, um, that there were, there was in front of the bulk store. I think she said that there was a uh, bike parking out there now, which I oh, think okay. is kind of cool. Yeah. So it is really because cool. you know, they're not going to like sell rice, flour, no. grapes or whatever, or not grapes, raisins. <laughs> the thing that grapes become. Are they uh, doing grapes out there? Yes. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> come and get your grapes. <laughs> right here. But you're a guy in a straw hat in like the early 20th century out there bib overalls exactly grapes. yeah, yeah grapes my family grapes this is how i make the ends meet <laughs> no um but i think they're trying to make use of it because like not not all of those are restaurants and so not everybody's going to benefit from having more more store space spilling out into yeah. you know and so it sounds like and that like use your bike you can still get around fairly easily on the bike uh if you're so capable uh of course do that but you know if you can't uh yeah parking you have to park a little further away now probably and um that some people don't like that. 
I don't, yeah. I don't mind too much walking. Yeah, too. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. And then well, let's see a couple of other things. Well, I'll get to your French fries here in two seconds. So um, <laughs> second example of lack of details was speaking about the reopening of the Longmont museum. I expected you to provide details such as limiting the number of patrons, closing of the hands on exhibits as well, mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, that's true. Fair point. Right. You know, we don't, we don't delve into some of the details sometimes and we probably do miss those opportunities, but I think we could probably be a little bit better about that and we'll try to do better job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree with that. Um, again, you get what you, you get, what you pay for. That's <laughs> when it comes to news. Exactly. Media. Exactly. We're, we don't never claim that we're news. No. We're just wanting to entice people to check out different ideas and information. Right. So, um, that's right. So in at least two of your early episodes, you ridiculed five guys for sending instructions on how to rewarm and crisp their fries yep. when being yep. delivered. Yep. Why well, I chose not to eat at fast food restaurants. This is Joe speaking. Okay. When I heard you mention that I thought you were going to applaud them. This is what I would have done. It's a brilliant strategy before COVID restaurants have been trying to figure out how to deliver non soggy fries. Yeah. Restaurant industry has spent, Millions of dollars researching this. Some have experimented with deep fryers and delivery vehicle. I can't imagine that. That would frighten the, the heck out wow. of me. Wow. Yeah. So a virtual high five to five guys for making the effort would be great. No ridicule needed. Just praise for trying to provide their clients with respectable fries. Now, and I, I do not take issue with, to clarify, I do not take issue with five guys fries because I actually really like five guys fries. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is that like the DoorDash gig economy scene just leads to really, really long uh, times of the, the fry sitting in the car. And when I ordered, it was like, hey, your stuff's going to be there in 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, and the burger held up okay, particularly since I have to make my own bur my bun at home. Yeah. But the fries were, I mean, they were they were pretty flatlined by the time they got here. And it was so really is it to fair to say that Five Guys is doing a workaround because it's really DoorDash and Uber Eats that are really the ones that Yeah, are, and I think that's that's yeah. that's kind of the part of it. What I will applaud to, to call this out is that the post has started doing their own delivery and they say it's going to take a long time, but they're really on the ball. Yeah. Uh, we ordered from yeah. them when we were playing games uh, this weekend and they were there in 10, 15 minutes and there, the food is yeah. perfect. Um, and I tend to eat there more than at five guys these days. Cause I think it's local business. I like their food more uh, and I can just eat it without having to do any prep at the house. So yeah. uh, I think that there's merit in that. And I do like, I do say I, I wish more restaurants were able to financially do the delivery thing on their own. Um, I think that it's, it's really nice. And in these days, I don't want to go out and deal with all the, you know, the, the COVID stuff and yeah. it's just nice to get stuff delivered, but yeah. Um, DoorDash taking that long was really my, well, and I think that's, that was our point of our ridicule. It wasn't necessarily, it was more, I took it more as the fact that it was Uber Eats fault, not really five guys. And that's, no, of, and I mean, yeah, yeah. not everybody's going to be happy all the time. Well, that's right. it's, an, it's an honest that's grievance. Right. And yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate the feedback. I love that we have listeners who are willing to speak up. So thank yep. you, Joe. And Keep it up, Barb. We really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, let's see. Let's get to a couple of things before we wrap up. But um, we are going to have Joseph from Hope On um, next week, who mm -hmm. Hope is homeless outreach providing encouragement. So you can talk about the RV. Um, ooh, not RV. Sorry, I know not that's RV. my it's correction. Another, ooh, yeah, yeah another I one. stepped in it. So the parking lot, if you will, and it's really parking lot probably isn't the best way to describe it, but but it is a opportunity for people who are experiencing homelessness or um, using their cars as housing can safely park and and be in a, a parking lot setting. So, mm -hmm. and receive support and that sort of thing in that sort of way. And so that was one of our corrections. We heard from a friend of ours who said that um, it's not RVs, it is passenger cars. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good that distinction. Correction. Yeah, that, that's a that's a definitely a fair catch. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've taken a lot of stuff as I'm prepping up for this, and uh, probably just thought, hey, it's a solution to the RV thing that's been going on in town, and that is apparently yeah. not it. So my yeah. bad. Yeah, it's all good. Um, and then just wanted to give a, a big shout out to Marta Moreno, who is retiring from El Comité. And El Comité was founded in 1980 after the tragic shooting of two individuals in town, uh, Latino men. Latino men, I should say. Um, and so she has done so much to advance rights for immigrant, immigrants and helping thousands of people during her career. And we just wish her the best. I mean, she's done a great job. And, um, fantastic. And then um, you said that quickly there's a schools, uh, there's kind of weaving through school reopening. Yep. Just looking at the school and I, you know, I don't want to get into politics here ever, but um, it seems like we're erroring on the side of doing sort of half days or like alternating days, especially for the older students. It looks like the younger students are going to kind of be, uh, everybody's going to come on in and they're going to try and keep them corralled with masks. So I am very curious to say the least, uh, what this will turn out like because school's back in what, like a month. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, when we were talking about school coming back, Oh man, when they called it off in March, it's like, wow, gee, I wonder what'll happen a million years in the future. Oh, I know. This I fall, know. Yeah. Uh, what will the world look like? And we, we flattened the curve and now we're rounding the curve back up. And I, I really wonder how that's going to go. Cause my, my fear is that it's not going to be tenable. To, to, and that's, that's, I know that's, that's difficult to say because a lot of people use that as primary childcare and that their jobs are dependent on their, their kids going somewhere else. And it's not, you can't do both and childcare is expensive. So, um, but the same, like, I do really worry that it's going to be um, difficult, difficult decisions, no matter which way. It is. Works. And I really feel for the parents that really, you know, and the, the kids really, you know, frankly need to go back to school. Um, yeah. But the parents, I mean, what a difficult situation to figure yeah. out, you know, yeah. how to figure that out. And I am eternally grateful that my kids are older, but well, I've got one that's still going to college and, even, you know, that is a really tough needle of a thread. They're trying to figure that one out too as well. So yeah. gosh, that's a know. continuing thing that we'll keep an eye on. Um, so the, the, the school's plans out. We haven't encapsulated it perfectly. By all means, write in, chastise us, uh, or find out your, yourself the specifics of it. But it sounds like we're going to do a little bit more than, say, uh, what Weld County's got planned. Um, yeah, and, uh, and really it's, it's probably one of those things where – where uh, time will tell. We imagine it yeah. will probably shift quickly and yep. who knows what's going to happen. But, well, yeah. Before we cut off, I got to say, the admissions yeah. center's reopening. Hey, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> that's, that's happening. Hey, that's pretty exciting. Hey, uh, as always, we are grateful to Andy Epler for our intro music. Um, and thanks to Jessica Carson for Long Gone because I was too lazy to find another song. But uh, Jessica's with Clandestine. She is Clandestine. Destin Amigo, and uh, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcasts. We are ever so grateful for our listeners. Thank you so much, and please give us some information about uh, feedback. Info at sidedishlongmont.org. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Go smash that like button. Buddy. <laughs>